Hello everybody, welcome to the Fire Science Show, session 60. Today I have a topic that I would classify under interesting, relevant, and maybe even sexy. It's a topic of fire safety photovoltaic installations on flat roofs. Certainly a very, very relevant issue, and we've seen a lot of large fires of such installations going through the US and in Europe as well. And regardless of these fires happening, there's not that much research going into this subject. So certainly the efforts of my today's guests are very much appreciated, or maybe not that much appreciated by the PV industry, but certainly appreciated by the fire industry. My guest today is uh, Jens Christensen, Dr. Jens Christensen. He just defended his PhD at the University of Edinburgh with his the research being uh, performed both at Edinburgh and at DTU in Denmark, where he's currently it was a great effort on investigating why or how such roof installations could burn. And I really appreciate that soon into his early research, he realized a very specific complexity in the system and pursued that until he got his PhD, researching this complexity and trying to understand how this complexity changes the behavior of the roof and panel system, considering them both together, not separately which is a huge distinction from how our industry often operates. And this podcast episode will tell you a lot about the safety of photovoltaic systems, but also a lot about how our systems operate. So uh, without further ado, please join me with Jens and uh, yeah, let's spin the intro and get into the episode. Welcome to the Fireside Show. My name is Wojciech Wingzinski, and I will be your host. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Fire Science Show. I'm today with Dr. Jens Steven Christensen. Congratulations on your Viva, Jens. Thank you very much, and thanks for the invitation to your <laughs> fantastic show. Really happy to have you here, and uh, we're going to discuss, surprise, surprise, your PhD topic, which is the photovoltaics and fires. And that's, uh, I must say, you, you have a very interesting twist on the flammability or, or fire behavior of photovoltaic panels. I, I really like your approach and the way how you study it, but we, we'll reach that point why it is so interesting from my perspective soon. <laughs> First, uh, t please tell me, like, uh, what made you start incinerating photovoltaic panels? Like, is this uh, a hobby from childhood <laughs> to burn things up? No, <laughs> no. Ah, maybe, maybe. I wasn't one of the students in physics who tried to ignite everything, but I was probably <laughs> not one of the ones behaving the best either. <laughs> With the photovoltaics, yeah, it, it started when I was a master student at, at DTU, the Technical University of Denmark, where I had my current supervisor, Konde Jomast, as Master of Studies? No, really Head of Studies, it's called. Mm. And also, he was one of the guys uh, teaching fire safety engineering. Mm. So um, there is only three courses at DTU in fire safety engineering. So I went to him and asked, hey, do you have more courses within fire safety engineering? Uh, mm. And he said, yes, we can do individual courses. So I had an individual course, which went well. And then at some point, if Insurance, who is an insurance company of IKEA, contacted Gunde to ask, hey, do you want to be a third party on some experiments related to photovoltaic panels on flat roof constructions, which IKEA have a lot of? And uh, yeah, I was the third party on that, and IKEA was happy with those experiments or my report. And 
that turned into a master thesis afterwards with some large scale experiments. And they were quite happy with that as well. So so we continued with, with a PhD and got into insulation companies, Kingspan and Rockwell uh, on board as, as sponsors as well of the project. So it's been a long journey. Now I've reached the, finished the PhD and it looks like I will continue working on the topic. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Usually people after their PhD, they don't want to see the subject of the matter. Uh, yeah. You know, to be honest, I think, I think the subject is still interesting. I did not answer all the questions. I still think it's it's a very extremely relevant topic. And I do know that, that I'm one of the few people working on the topic. And if I'm able to continue raising awareness of the issues related to the PV installations on roof constructions or in the built environment, I, I think it's to some extent necessary to continue. Yeah. I think what makes your work really unique, and this is obviously your advantage or your achievement as, as well as achievement of your supervisors, Grunde, and the whole project, is that you look at the um, holistic setup of the PV panel and the roof. Mm, Whereas mm. the manufacturers of PV panels or many other bodies would yeah, yeah, look yeah. would look solely on the on the fire performance of the panel itself, or yeah. you would look only on the roof itself. Whereas yeah. you try to understand what makes the way how the panel is placed on the roof change the the fire conditions, and I, I think yeah. it it also places your research in this universal area, like uh, you're not really connected to any. TV panel manufacturer, the insulation, of course, you, you did research on, on certain types of insulation because that's what you had access to, but it's mm. also fairly universal in terms of, of the properties of the, these materials. So I think it makes it really interesting. Like, what, what was the point when you thought it would be interesting to look at the problem from this perspective of the this semi-enclosure, as you name it, <laughs> uh, point of view <laughs> of, of the PV panel instead of just going simply let's put a, a, a shitload of PV panels into cone rank them by flammability or something yeah, yeah. well well, that's I guess almost what I started doing you know, <laughs> that series it's been a lot it's a slow journey I remember some of the first stuff I did was, was taking a PV panel trying to cut it up into 11 by 11 uh, centimeters of uh, squares and cutting a glass panel is, is quite tough, I can tell. Mm. It all uh, cracks. But I did it. I put it in a cone. I tried to ignite it, but but I also realized that, that the back sheet of a PV panel mostly is a fluoropolymer, which has a very high thermal stability uh, and a very low heat of combustion when it's finally ignited. And the amount of combustible materials in a, a standard PV panel is extremely limited. Uh, it's it's mm. around 10%. So so at that point, I started considering, is the PV module actually a fire load? Mm -hmm. Or what is it actually that's burning? So what we did then was the steady-state experiments where I had a gas burner, and then I measured the heat flux as a function of distance to the gas burner without the panel. And of course, the, the heat flux is, is reduced as a function of distance, uh, which is quite obvious. But then we installed a PV panel above it and played around with, with the inclinations and the gap height. Uh, and we only published a limited amount of that. Of mm. course, I did not continue with, with, you know, I didn't do that many experiments as it was part of my master thesis. But at that point, we realized that, okay, the deflection of the flame below the PV panel actually increased the heat flux significantly towards the surface below. And because I only had access to few panels, 
and wanted to, I repeated the same experiments with a panel which had been used for one experiment. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I reused the same panel. So mm -hmm. I used a panel where part of the backside membrane was burned away and thus there was no combustible materials left on, mm -hmm. on the backseat. And, and at that point, I realized the panel itself is probably not a fuel load. So I have to look at the, the system behavior rather than mm -hmm. just the individual components. And, and that's how we ended up continuing or looking at the system rather than the individual components. Because w what is the panel? It's a bunch of glass, silicon, plastics? Uh, yes, it's, it's a, a glass mostly in general, but it is glass panel to three millimeters thick. Uh, then there is the aluminum frame to on most panels to stabilize uh, mm -hmm. the construction. And then you have the silicon cells, which are non-compostable. Uh, then there are some metals, relatively limited as well. Then you have the back seat, which is, uh, you have the, the cells are encapsulated in EBA. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you have the back seat, uh, which is often a fluoropolymer. And, and that's it. Uh, then you have a junction box and you have some cabling, of course, the whole infrastructure. Yeah. How heavy is the square meter of a panel? Is it, is it, uh, you must have lifted some of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. more or less standard panels. One meter times 1.7 meters. And mm -hmm. the weight is 18 kilograms. So it's it's 10 kilograms per square meter. That's not uh, that, that, Even if you consider that all, all of it goes into fuel load, that, that's still not very much of, of a fuel load. And if, if you say that it's approximately 10% of it, which is yeah. flammable <laughs> to some extent, that's it, not a very big uh, fuel factor. Well, and, and then... On, on contrary, we see these large fires of this roof-installed facilities. There was the famous case of Walmart's in yeah. US. It was a very, yeah. it, it was a very medial case where uh, I think it led to the removal of of some of the photovoltaic systems from their yeah. buildings, or at least that was the the intention at that point. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't know the details. So, so indeed, we uh, even though it's such a small fuel source, there is in the public space some risk associated with that, and I. I assume your uh, research was, was going into the system approach, into looking how the panel changes the fire dynamics of the roof itself and not just treating it as an additional fuel. That's that's pretty smart. And what about ignition? Like, yeah. uh, Because you've mentioned you've put the fire underneath the panel. Mm -hmm. So you did care about the fires that are within the roof and then the panel is as uh, as additional factor or fires that could originate in the panel and then spread. what was the point? There? Yeah, we, we had several, you know, there's several sources of ignition. There is, mm -hmm. of course, an external source of ignition, which we cannot control what it is. There was a large fire in uh, Norway in, I think, 2017 in, in a cooling facility. Uh, it can It's named as the ESCO fire, A-S-K-O. Uh, so the largest cooling facility in, in Norway, but there was a forklift catching fire inside. Uh, the cooling facility and the fire broke through the roof. But but what mm -hmm. happened afterwards was that the fire propagated along below the solar panels, along the roof, and then spread into a different fire compartment. So suddenly the compartmentization of the facility was, was uh, breached due to the installation of the PV panels. But mostly you have, of course, the external cases of ignition, and then you have the PV system itself, which is a direct current system, which... Uh, you can discuss whether uh, the installation practice and standardization uh, is good enough because the, the standardization of the PV module itself is is, is quite good. It's, it's the Electrical Institute International, I can't remember, Senelec, uh, it's called mm. in, in short. And then you have all the infrastructure. One of the main 
issues. Uh, there are several issues. One of them is the connectors. So the connectors that you use to connect each panel, but also to connect series of panels into parallel system or connect them to a combiner box, because there is a lot of connectors with there are several manufacturers, but there is no standard. Mm-hmm. So you have the de facto or default standard, which is uh, Stoutly, which is a company, a multi-contact FIA, MC4 connector. But you have a lot of connectors from different companies which can be assembled with that connect, mm-hmm. But it's not designed to be assembled. It can be assembled, but it's not designed to. So that means with time, resistance will build up in such a system. And with resistance, you'll have production of heat. And with production of heat, mm-hmm. you'll have more resistance. And at the end, you will uh, have an electric failure and you'll have a direct current arcing. So at the moment you can commission your roof, it's a certain performance because it just works. But after time, it can uh, build up this failure. Uh, yeah, and then you can look at density. Who, yeah, and then you can look who are allowed to install the PV systems in the different countries. If, if you look at Denmark, where I'm at, I am right now, you do not even need to be an electrician to install mm. a large direct current system on a, of a, on a roof construction. Uh, it's only an electrician, certified electrician, who have to connect it to the AC side of the building. All of the rest of the system, you know, you don't need anything. And what about the roof itself? Like, roof is to some degree combustible. It just has to pass certain uh, tests to, to yeah, show it yeah. does not spread too much. Yeah. Can you bring me in line? Like how we test roofs and what we expect from roofs, at least in Europe? Yeah, so so in Europe, we have the uh, EN13501-5 test. It's called B-roof. And as long as it's, what is it called? A compliant with B-roof, then you are allowed to install on a roof construction. B-roof, there's four different test methods because it's Europe and we do not really agree on how to test stuff. So, so yeah. there is test one, two, three, four, which are different from country country so france have their test system uh, germany denmark i think norway uh, sweden have their test system the uk mm-hmm. of course are different so they have a different test system but in general all of these tests designed to verify that a fire do not spread along a low roof or uh, propagate along a roof uh, and and that's also what we see in the experiments is if we if we have a mock-up roof construction or if we have a roof construction in general i can go to the nearby ikea i can start a decent bonfire because the roof is designed not to facilitate spread of fire but which doesn't doesn't mean it does not burn at all you know it burns because mostly it's plastics uh mm-hmm. mostly it's pvc or uh, uh, bitumen or tpo or epdm there is different the two last were also plastics so all of these materials are plastics. There is just a decent amount of flame retardants in it. And thus, the fire are not able to propagate. You will have ignition, but the amount of heat that's necessary to heat up the next part of the roofing membrane to release a certain amount of paralysis gases cannot be released from the burning uh, paralysis zone of the burning roofing membrane. So eventually the fire dies out because it's exactly. not able exactly. to produce new fuel. Yeah, it's just quenched. And, yeah. And now and now comes you with your PV panel yeah. and you put a PV panel on top of that. Yeah. And then the fun starts. Yeah, yeah. then then the whole system changes because you have what's called a heat feedback room. So because of the, the barrier which is above certainly, which can be you know, to some extent it's a vertical barrier, which either deflects the flame, so you have deflected flame mm-hmm. that's almost uh, similar to you know a concurrent flame. Uh, if you talk about concurrent or opposed flame spread. 
So you suddenly have a higher amount of heat flux radiates towards the roof below, and thus you have a, a significantly higher heat flux towards the, the area, and thereby the design of the roofing membrane, if it's designed based on with with the flame retarders uh, of retardants, cancel out the whole the whole system. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah, and um, but. In your legal systems, you're not obliged to repeat like B roof with the PV panel. No, it's just is you're putting a thing on a thing. It doesn't. It's uh... two different things. You know, yeah, first exactly. of all, so... first of all, the fire safety in Europe when it comes to to the PV panels or building applied PV panels, which this is, uh, that means you have an existing building and you come with your technology and it's just an add-on technology and that add-on technology has in most countries, nothing to do with the roof. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to consider it for fire safety. Here in, in Denmark, we had the, the issue, it, it's been asked to like the ministry have been asked, what do we do about this? Well, it's not a part of the building. It's not our problem. And different places, and as far as I understand, in Europe, they have different point of view, but it's not really standardized anywhere how to design it or how to consider it with respect to the design. And on the opposite side, uh, the, the people doing the PV panels, they would be responsible for the PV panel itself. Yeah. So they can show it's low flammability, it's low yeah, risk, it's, uh, yeah. we're not adding fuel to the roof, you're good. Yeah, it's a perfectly fine uh, panel itself. Uh, and that's what they're saying. So they, first of all, they don't want to hear the, the word fire. Uh, you know, I don't have <laughs> many friends within the PV industry. Um, yeah. and, and the funny thing... Uh, is I, I honestly think I'm trying to ensure a long-term sustainability of their product. Mm. So we also install them in 30 years from now, because that's what I'm honestly uh, afraid of. If, if we do not do or act right now, we will have an issue in the future. And then we might have politicians who are doing what politicians are best at when it comes to not understanding the issue. Uh, and that will be banning. Uh, the, the product from the built environment and, and utilizing the roof constructions for PV systems is the ideal way to utilize. The yeah, it's, on it's the roof. a very well exposed surface. So, yeah. so give me the technicalities. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, g give give me the meat. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, what exactly did you find? Like, what's the number one finding of your extensive research in beer burning these semi enclosures? I think, first of all, it, it is the definition of the what we call the semi-enclosures, what uh, Guillermo Rain and then uh, Ricky during my viber said, like, it's just a cavity. It's semi-enclosure. No one understands what it is. But mm -hmm. I continue calling it semi-enclosure until I finish the uh, editing of my uh, thesis. So, uh, first of all, it is the, the identification of the semi-enclosure uh, and the importance of the re-radiation, the whole system behavior, which mm -hmm. is crucial for the fire safety on the roof constructions. Then mm -hmm. we identified for the specific setups that we had, experimental setups, we identified uh, a critical gap height, where okay. if the gap height is uh, above a specific gap height. So the gap height is defined as, as the distance from the roof construction to the PV module uh, at the point of ignition. If the gap height is, let's say, uh, 13 centimeters in the specific, specific setup, the fire do not propagate at all. But if we lower the module one centimeter, suddenly the fire starts to propagate to the whole roof construction. So it's very, very small details which mm -hmm. uh, define the difference between no flame spread and flame spread. This gap height also relates to the truly straight of the of the source, right? It, sure. Because, sure. Uh, so to some extent, we need to define what is what is the worst case scenario 
source of ignition because of course if, if you have a low heat release rate uh, you will also have a, a low flame height and and thus the, the distance to the panel itself the pv panel above uh, might be larger and thus the flame does not uh, deflect below and the fire cannot propagate so there is some relation there uh, between flame spread and no flame spread yeah well, that's an elegant solution. If there's a critical gap height that allows you to fully benefit from from this, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Uh, but the issue is, as some people said, it's a deal with the devil, right? Because if we then have a, a relatively high gap height on a flat roof construction, we'll have issues with wind load or mm. uh, load from snow, or so. So there is, it, it's a whole uh, system. We also talked. Uh, I talked with with IKEA, my contact person there, about how about adding uh, more flame retardants. Or how about using thinner uh, roofing membrane? The mm. problem if it's a thinner roofing membrane, because if it's a thinner roofing membrane, the fuel load is smaller. So suddenly you don't need such a high gap height because you have such a limited amount of fuel that you cannot heat up. You don't have enough time to heat up the material in front. But based on my own experience as a wind engineer, yeah. I, I'm not sure if the wind issue would be so significant when you raise the panel like 10 centimeters higher. You see the. Let me give you background. Yeah, sure. Why I know this? Yeah, I know this because we've built a wind tunnel, mm. and when we build a wind tunnel, we've started having customers who mm. come to us mm. and tell us, "Guys, I am selling PV panels, or I'm selling this PV installation somewhere, or I'm doing small car park buildings covered with PV panels, and I need to tell my customers that this product is safe in case of wind." Mm. It does not is 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 resistant to wind. Mm, mm. So, can you put my PV panel in the wind tunnel, like blow twenty meters per second on yeah, it, yeah, yeah. and then tell me that it's it's safe? Yeah. And we're like, you see, you have again. It's a very similar case to what you've realized. Mm. You've taken the product out of the context of the building. Mm, mm. So, when you have wind blowing on your PV panel. Mm. And the walls of the PV panel are sealed, like the large surface where you have the PV panel inclined mm. is like it's not porous, and you block the other uh, wall okay, yeah. so the wind cannot go from the other side. Yeah, it's gonna push your panel into the roof, and even in a very very strong wind conditions, mm-hmm. it will not create enormous forces on that panel, not mm. not, not destruction forces. However. Yeah, okay, okay. If you if you frame the same thing on a flat roof, mm. like you have a you you have a giant warehouse mm. which can be like a few hundred meters long. Mm. Mm. You put a flat wall mm. it. Mm. You have a corner of, of that wall. Mm. What happens when the wind is attacking that building? A huge vortices form at the edges of mm. your building, mm. like a giant vortices. Mm. And because it's a vortex, it's it's rotating. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. at one point it's pushing down. Yeah. On the other point, it's, it's gonna go up. Yeah. So yeah. it's gonna be sucking your panels. Yeah. And now the force created by this mm-hmm. is at a complete different level, or it, it can be times ten of what the panel would feel yeah. when yeah. it was isolated. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not really a problem of the panel. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if your panel is ten centimeter taller or or not. Mm. It matters like where versus this vortex it will be mm. on your roof. Mm. And that's also like like such things. That's one of the reasons it would be like ideal to have the PV industry involved in the project as well as a collaborator rather yeah. than 
someone who's not really a big fan of what we're doing. I've tried, I've applied for some of their conferences and, and I haven't been uh, accepted yeah. so far, but I really hope that they do understand that, that I'm there to help them. Uh, yeah. If you have a solution for mm, the flammability, yeah. maybe you don't have a complete solution, no. but you have a pretty good idea where the solution may be and how to significantly reduce the added complexity yeah, yeah, that yeah. comes from the system. Mm. And wind engineering has very good answers why this can be actually done, mm. contrary to the popular belief that it cannot be done mm, mm. because of wind or some other yeah, mystical yeah. forces. And, and the issue and, is all the different ways you can install them. So, so on a flat roof construction, you can have them like mechanically yeah. fixed, but you can also just have them ballasted on the roof. Yeah, I, yeah. I often yeah. see them just weighted with yeah, like yeah. layers of bricks. Yeah, exactly. How common is that? I don't know. I don't know. It depends on, on the owner. But I, I do understand why they prefer just to ballast them because then you don't have to penetrate your roof construction with, mm. with metal screws and thereby your uh, the roof is intact. And the roof is there. Yeah. yeah. And the, the roof is there to protect against the elements, water especially. Yeah. yeah so you yeah, don't yeah. want to make holes in something that exactly. protects from, exactly. from rain. Yeah. Of course. So that's, uh, it's interesting that we are seeking the, the solutions. And mm. I believe that what you have found through your research is a very elegant way. I also saw in some other papers of yours mm. uh, with Malaysian colleagues, yeah, you yeah. have been investigating how often this fire yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. I also found that very, very interesting. Can you comment on that word? Yes, yes. So the team in Malaysia actually started with, with a paper manuscript and asked of us if we wanted to participate on that. And, and we... You know, adjusted it here and there and recalculated it. So as it says in the paper itself, it, it's quite, the amount of data is sparse and the quality mm -hmm. of the data is limited. But it is all the data we have access to. And someone has to do the first analysis. So we analyzed mm -hmm. those five sets of data in total and realized or, or found out, calculated that an annual frequency of fires would be around 29 fires per gigawatt capacity. So that's equivalent in a country like Denmark, that's 29 fires per year. If you look in, then you multiply that with 300, 320, you have the amount of fires in uh, the European Union. How much is a gigawatt of panels? That's like a field, not a building, right? That's like the whole, a gigawatt is the whole capacity in Denmark. So a lot uh -huh. of roof construction, commercial roof construction, could be one megawatt, uh, two megawatts if it's like extremely big. So mm -hmm. that's that's the that's the scale, and and the like domestic installations is a few hundred kilowatts as far as I remember. So that would mean for a like large building, the the fire uh, frequency would be like one every like twenty five year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and for household installation, like one in five hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Year. But then again, you know, we have to remember first of all the the quality of the data. Some of uh -huh. the data comes from the Italian fire and rescue services. If you look mm -hmm. at the data, Italy has a significantly higher amount of fires per year than any other country. But that's because the Italian fire and safety services are actually looking for those fires. They're actually reporting those fires. So you have mm -hmm. more or less the actual number. Whereas there's other uh, countries, if you look in the States, they have maybe 20 fires a year because it's not really possible to report these fires, uh, there is the, um, the report uh, by McManee and Brian Merchant on green, green uh, attributes to buildings and the built environments. And it's really highlighted that, well, it's just not possible to report these kind of fires. Then there is also different systems in Germany or the Netherlands. 
the amount of fires which are actually reported is just based on surveys and media or social media. So it's just if there is suddenly a fire in the media, they write it down. So the definition of fire here is is a very large fire. Then it's mm-hmm. then it's actually reported, whereas smaller fires are not reported. So so what we look at mm-hmm. might actually only be the tip of the iceberg, whereas all of these smaller fires are not really highlighted mm-hmm. anywhere. It would be ideal to get some data from the insurance companies, of course, because they will have mm-hmm. uh, they probably they have know. all the <laughs> yeah they probably have all the data. Then it's just a question of of sharing that data and and their willingness to share that data. And since they have not shared or, or mentioned the data or, or questioned the numbers that we came out with, some one could think that they are lower, but but we don't really know. So collaborating with them and, and having actually access to their data or just feedback based on their data would be a huge benefit for understanding the risk related to PV systems in the built environment. And going back to your study, you've mentioned gap height being the, yeah. the variable that, that you found like really important. Mm. Uh, any other things you, you found that influenced this uh, this behavior? I don't know, inclination of the... Yeah, inclination surely um, uh, affected it as well. We didn't do that many experiments with inclination because we had too many parameters. But when we inclined the panel, the critical gap height became larger. The flame spread rate was higher. So that was also uh, quite uh, interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Then we had some limitations with the width of the setup, which limited the flame spread length, unfortunately. But I think I had to rebuild that experimental setup and uh, mm-hmm. do it a bit uh, larger. Uh, and, and then we might be able to, to see uh, verify the behavior. But in general, we verified the behavior during my, my master thesis with some large-scale experiments, uh, which are, I think, published in fire technology. And... Uh... You also mentioned you've worked with manufacturers of, of insulation, so I guess you were changing the roof membrane uh, itself a bit. Was it important variable for you? Uh, the membrane, the membrane was, was the same. So the insulation was the variable because uh-huh. there were insulation companies, IKEA, no, uh, Kingspan and Rockwell, two huge competitors, yeah. but they were quiet during the, uh, uh-huh. the whole thesis. Congratulations on working with both. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, an yeah, achievement yeah, on its yeah, own. Yeah, but, but, but they were really uh, great to work with because... Uh, I think they, uh, to some extent, ex- accepted they they were on the same project uh, and and kept quiet. So that was great. So <laughs> there was no significant difference, in my mm-hmm. opinion, between the two uh, insulation materials I worked with. I did not test them at the same thickness. You know, one could say I should test them at the same thickness. One could say I should test them for the same R value, mm-hmm. so their insulation capacity or uh, how well the conductivity. Uh, and of course, the conductivity mm. of of the PA insulation from Kingspan is lower than the conductivity for uh, the mineral wool. And in addition, the the Kingspan product does also have an aluminium foil on top. So during the experiments, that actually um, benefited the the PA insulation. But the issue with the PA insulation is that it it swelled when it was exposed to heat, and and that part of the insulation would swell. Did not have any uh, conductivity, or it had a very high conductivity. Uh, so the, the conductivity tested for the material, you know, in the standard test uh, methods was not representative when the material was exposed to heat. But in these experiments, we had 60 millimeters of, of pH insulation and, and the fire did not penetrate it. Uh, and for the mineral wall, we had 50 millimeters. It should have been the same, but yeah, that was 
but they supplied me. And the differences in, in panels, how were you testing different PV models? I uh, tested a few different PV models which were supplied and they more or less behaved similar all of them. One of them, or two of them actually, was dripping. So when it's exposed to heat, mm-hmm. it started dripping. Uh, there was uh, burning droplets uh, and the droplets continued to burn when they hit the surface or hit the floor. Uh, of course, that would be an issue if it was uh, a vertical installation. But right now, when it's a horizontal installation, it's, it's not such a big issue. Also because the fire will not spread outside the array. So an array is like a group of PV modules. That, that segues me to the region where we're going to start, start hypothesizing. Yeah, yeah. And what if the roof was inclined? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good issue. Because also, what, what kind of materials will you have on a roof which is inclined? If it's tile, then it's probably not such a big issue. Uh, but if it's still a material which can burn, you know, then of course it would be an issue. Also because you'll have flame spread, even to a high extent, uh, be similar to concurrent flame spread. Uh, so you'll have a fl- upwards flame spread and you will have the deflection uh, of the panels. So so yes, that will be, be a significant issue. And it's a big trend, you know, mm-hmm. photovoltaic are, are a huge trend yeah, yeah. and you see them everywhere. And it's not only roofs now being covered. No, no, no. I see facades yeah, being yeah. covered with PV panels. And in the facade settings, mm-hmm. this brings us to good old cavity issue, like, like yeah, it yeah. was framed by your... Yeah, yeah by your examiners in your, in your Viper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're technically creating a cavity system with somewhat combustible cladding. And, and, and uh, not to mention an increased probability of ignition. Yeah, uh, as if cavity fires were not a big problem. We, we now have one that can ignite itself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the issue so, here yeah. is that these sat-mounted PV modules is different from the building applied systems which I've worked with. So what I've worked with is you have an existing building which is a building itself, and you apply a system. But when you use mm-hmm. it in the facade, it's what's called a building-integrated PV system. So suddenly, the PV module replaces a component of the building. If you remove the, the PV module from the facade, you have to replace it with another construction product. I'm pretty sure I saw, uh, at least in here, yeah? PV modules that were literally glued to existing facades. Okay, okay, then it can be a different system. And uh, the facade that would be amended with PV panels. So, uh, I guess that brings us to a complete new set of unknown challenges yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and risks we may not even be uh, aware. And in, in this case, uh, the, the spread rates may be, com- they will be completely different, mm, but, but, which you've yeah. reported. And so, but also, hopefully, the membrane is also better than on on the roof yeah. because of the standards we have but mostly uh, for facades yeah. you? mostly it's like a ventilated facade like, you know in in most of these systems mm-hmm. and the interesting thing here is because it has to in most cases has to be replaced with a construction product if you remove it it's tested as a construction product mm-hmm. so there is existing test methods it's accepted to so be we, part uh-huh, of, okay. of the whole fire safety system or regulation the issue now is how do you put a PV module into the existing test mm. systems? It's really interesting. So you would consider a facade in a very different way than you consider the roof. Or yes, so yes. On yes, the yes. roof, you put that thing. You you put the thing, and it you could be okay because you just put the thing on the roof. Yeah. On the facade, you fiddled with the facade itself, mm. which is a system. Which mm. that's an interesting point of view. But then you can question: oh. Does 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 the test methods are they representative of the real world? And especially when you include the module in the test system. 
are you able to interpolate or are you able to, uh, can you actually fit that PV module in or will you do it differently from test center to test center because no one really knows how to fit the PV module into test method or into the existing framework. But, you know, if it's approved and it, it's compliant with the standards, then there is no issue. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole world that, that opens. And if we want a sustainable future, this, these are the issues us fire engineers and uh, listeners of the podcast will, uh, will, will face as if there was not enough issues around. Mm. And my last one, I also saw these interesting solutions where the photovoltaic panels would be put inside the glass tiles that you would put on the roofs. What, what are your feelings about that? Oh, I mean, from, no, wait. It's interesting, but then you exponentially increase the number of these connections that you've mentioned previously as, as the ones that worry you the most. Mm, yeah, yeah. If you know, with time, you're able to implement it most places. You'll soon be able to implement it in, in a standard window, more or less yeah. transparent. Uh, and of course, we should do that. We just have to figure out the issues uh, related to that technology and what unexpected consequences are. I'm not sure at the moment that I that I understand the complexity of such systems. Right now, I'm working with one specific system, uh, and and of course, mm-hmm. with time, hopefully, I will be able to to understand more complex things. So I guess that's also why I enjoy uh, if I'm able to continue, which which I'm quite sure I will. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, unanswered questions. That's, uh, that's, there's going to be a lot of work for us. I, I say that in almost every yeah, yeah, episode, yeah. but that's, that's a, that's and, a, that's and, a good know, career at, path. At some, at some point, uh, you know, I really hope someone will join me just on, on trying to understand the issues. So I'm not just, you know, Jens, the guy working with photovoltaics. So there is actually more group. Yes. And I don't matter if it's just, you know, if they are group with me or if they're somewhere else, it would actually be nice if they're at a mm-hmm. different university, because then you'll have some you know, constructive feedback and criticism saying, Jens, you're not right. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for criticizing my work. That would be great. <laughs> I, I hope you will get a lot of messages after this episode <laughs> maybe someone will significantly disagree, disagree with you and that would be perfect I, yes thanks yeah in in like two weeks you're having your public presentation of your phd thesis will there there be a stream or something or uh, that's just the plan person? yes yes i'm not sure if people following the stream will be able to ask questions uh, or not at the moment i'll have to figure out but but i'm quite sure it'll be a, a stream because maybe what, what, what day is it uh, august 19th august 19th one o'clock yeah. uh, days slash police time august 19 one o'clock the real time and for anyone living not in denmark on, or poland you have to figure out yeah that's fun that, that's fantastic i'll make sure that this episode airs earlier than that and people who are listening to the podcast you'll get a, a better experience with pictures and and the technicalities of the fire problem that we have just discussed and if you're listening to this episode Long after that, and Jens is now a professor. And I will not. Well, I will leave scientist. you. <laughs> <laughs> well, then if he's just a Playboy billionaire living off of testing photovoltaics, I'm sure there will be plenty of resources available online to catch up with. And I am sure, Jens, this topic will not be outdated in five or ten years from this recording. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that is for Hopefully sure. Hopefully the topic is maybe maybe someone found a smarter way to do it, and I'll, I'll appreciate that, yeah. But I'll continue with, with DBI here in Denmark, working with, with their team, 
and yep. and uh, see what comes in the door. Uh, it looks like there is already some PV stuff, uh, and they have some yeah. some very great labs and a great bunch of people. So so that's going to be uh, really uh, good fun. Okay. Yeah. The future looks bright. And once again, congratulations Thank on you. your uh, PhD. I, you rarely see examiners being excited about the PhD thesis they just reviewed. Yeah, and then yeah. yours were. So, so that's a good sign that it's it's a great piece of work. And I... I been reviewing parts of that as your ongoing efforts to publish, and I also also enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, I think uh, I've been uh, very privileged to have a hot topic, so to say, uh, a topic yeah. which, uh, which is, is just my own topic, and it's very extremely relevant. I think everyone yeah. with that topic would be able to write a good thesis because it's it's just a, a funny or interesting uh, topic, which is highly relevant. And when you know that your topic is a or people are interested, then you try to, to do your best. So, so I guess that's it. That's it. Okay, Jens, thank you very much for coming to Fire Science Show and all the best yeah. in your future journeys with fire photovoltaics and beyond. Thank you very much, Wojciech, and thanks for the invitation once again. And that's it. I hope you really enjoyed the episode. I must tell you the podcast doesn't tell a full story of Jens and his research and... Uh, Obviously, something private to him, but I admire his insistence on, on doing this, his passion for fire science and seeing how amazing research, because the research he's done is, is just really good. It's, it's good on himself. Seeing how it has been done in the circumstances he was going through, the forced change of location, health issues and, and stuff like that. Ah, It is amazing what this guy has pulled off. So Jens... I'm really, really happy with you're a full doctor now and uh, your research is really good. The variables that you've identified as the most important in the process, I am sure they will lead to forming solutions. So your work is not only good, but also is going to get applied. And most of all, I'm in a way disappointed with the systems that we've uh, shown in this episode. Maybe you remember the episode with Anya Bullinghouse, where we discussed the differences between the bus and train industry in terms of how they treat the reaction to fire of upholstered furniture in the vehicles. I have flashbacks to that episode in this episode. Because, come on, if we consider roof and PV panels separately, they're great. Together, they somehow dangerous or bad in a way. We need to consider systems as systems, not as a bunch of parts, because then we often miss what's important in making them safe. And this is the important message of the episode. I mean, we have this in many ends of fire and fire engineering. And we really need to learn how to think systems, not products, not items, not elements, systems. So, yeah, with this thought, I'm going to leave you till next Wednesday, where uh, we're gang to have another great episode this time i'm really gonna deliver the glass episode <laughs> i know i promised it this week but it's in the pipeline and i'm sure you are going to thoroughly enjoy that one as well so if you came here for the glass you've received TV panels huh i guess that's that's also good and uh the glass coming next week see you then see you next wednesday thank you bye This was the Fire Science Show. Thank you for listening and see you soon.